This is why gospel clarity matters. When you know this truth, that literally you've done nothing to earn your salvation, then it's freeing because you can do nothing to lose your salvation. That causes you to live differently. Hey ladies, this is Christy Young with The Gritty Gospel, uh, and you can probably hear my voice. I'm fighting a cold, so I apologize that, man, the, the audio this time is going to be a little bit more funky because I just have a sick voice. Uh, but at the same time, I feel inspired. I love the Lord, and I, my heart is heavy uh, on the issue of gospel clarity, and so I would love to talk about that uh, this episode. We live in a culture that heralds everything as truth, and... It's so important for us and for our kids, for our families, for our neighbors, for everyone that we would share the gospel with, that we understand what the gospel is. And I think that a lot of times, you know, you can dismiss talks of the gospel if you've been in church culture for a long time, because it has become so common. The gospel is common and well known. Uh, However, the news of the gospel should never become common to us. And so I just want to make sure that we all understand, as I reference the gospel here on the show, just that we understand what it means and that we're all on the same page. Because, and then in a lot of different cultures, a lot of different religions, you know, they're works-based religions, and Christianity is definitely not a works-based religion. Uh, But I do think some of those... um, I do think that some of those teachings or thoughts or ideas can permeate into Christianity if people are not uh, well-read in the scriptures. You could easily believe that you need to be good enough in your marriage or good enough as a parent or kind enough or act well enough um, to earn your salvation. And that's just simply not true. We can do nothing to earn salvation. So here it is. Let me give you the beautiful love story um, that is the gospel, uh, short and sweet. And it's this, God out of nothing created everything. He created animals and birds and the sea creatures and humans. He created the trees and all of the varieties of every kind of plant and herb and um, every kind of animal. He created night and day, the sun and the moon and the stars and the skies. And he also created man and Man, too, is separate, a separate, special creation by God. We are not an animal. We are not mammals. We are not one of the animals or have and have not evolved from animals. We are a special creation uh, that God designed, and we are made in His image and by His hand. Animals were not made in his image, but man was made in his image. And so anyway, it's beautiful. And so, but then we brought sin into into the world. God said that we could eat from any of the trees in the Garden of Eden except for one. And that one is the one that the enemy used to tempt us to sin against God because he convinced Eve that that tree would make us like God and that uh, that's why God didn't want us to eat it, but that the fruit looked sure tempting and tasty. And so Eve partook of the tree, tree's fruit, and then so did Adam. And sin entered into the human race. And with that action, that had 
the sin, once sin entered the picture, that had devastating consequences. We were no longer, we could no longer walk and talk with God like we did previously uh, prior to us bringing, eating that apple, eating the fruit, and then bringing sin into this world. Our direct line of communication with God was broken. And so we could no longer uh, enjoy a conversation directly with Him. We needed a mediator, and God knew, God knew that imperfect man could not dwell with a righteous God. And all through the Psalms, it's very clear that now, because of sin, we have a problem on our hands. We can't dwell with a holy God. And so something has to happen. Either we have to get ourselves holy, which we have no ability to do, or God had to do something to allow us to be made right with him. And that's exactly what he did. He made a plan from before the foundation of the world to reconcile us or to make us right with himself. And he did that by providing Jesus in the flesh. So uh, one part of the Trinity, uh, Christ put on flesh and lived a perfect life that we could not live here on earth. And, you know, all through the Old Testament, uh, sacrifices are made for as atonement for sin to try to um, shed blood to cover sin really to to point our eyes to the fact that we have no ability to save ourselves but that even the I love it that Hebrew says even the blood of bulls and goats I believe is the verbiage that does not have an ability to take away sin once and for all time but God did send Jesus once for all time to cover all of our sin. And so when Christ died on the cross, so Jesus lived a perfect life that we couldn't live. He did not sin. And even when he was crucified, they still found no sin in him. No one could no one could show or demonstrate that the claims that he made were not true. And so he went to death on a cross as a perfect man and a perfect God. And in that moment when he laid down his life, because let's be clear here, right? He, even as Christ in the flesh, he was holy and perfect and and completely God and could have called down legions of angels to rescue him. He could have done any number of things to not lay down his life on that cross. It wasn't like we as sinful man could have kept him there. He laid down his life voluntarily. He put himself, allowed himself to be crucified on the cross for our sins. Romans 5, 8 says that God shows his great love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ dies for us. And so we were undeserving, are undeserving, have done nothing to earn or justify his grace and his mercy, and yet he gives it to us. And so it's very clear. We've all sinned because sin entered into the human race through Adam and Eve. Now we are all subject to that stain of sin. So all of us have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. And I love that verse. It's Romans 3.23 because it's the great leveler for all of us. None of us are immune from sin. None of us can act like we're any better than anyone else because all of us are tainted by the stain of sin. And what I love is that the beautiful gift that Christ gives is eternal life. God designed and made a way for us to be reconciled with himself for all of eternity by sending Christ 
to live the perfect life that we couldn't live, to die die a death on the cross that would do a multitude of things. He endured God's wrath on behalf of sin, our sin on that cross. When God was allowing his wrath to be poured out on Christ in that moment of death, one of the hardest things for Christ I've read is that he was separated from God during those moment, like during the moments of death on the cross, that he was enduring God's wrath against sin, the sin of humanity, and he took that all on because of the that was the Father's will for him, and he and the Father are one, and so and then he loves us so much, and that's where John three sixteen comes into play. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so we, let's make this clear, we were dead in our sin, dead in our trespasses, but God made us alive with Christ. Ephesians 2 is one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture because it is so clear that we were dead in our trespasses. We did nothing to save ourselves, but that God gives us a good gift in Christ. And then we have nothing to boast in because literally God God is helping to uh, remediate our relationship with himself. He's helping to fix it, the brokenness of sin that sin has caused. And then he provides the very thing that we need to fix the relationship with this, which is Christ. We need someone to cover our sin. And we have no ability to do that because we are sinful, man. There's our, the scriptures say that our very righteous acts are like filthy rags to God. So even if we mustered up our best strength, our best attitude, our most loving selves, our most sacrificial selves to live a life that was honoring to the Lord, it would still not be good enough to make us right with God. The Lord has ransomed us with the blood of Christ because Christ has lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, not under the blanket of sin. And so that when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. When we profess a belief in Christ and believe that he is the Messiah, the one that was that was pointed to through all of the Old Testament as the one who would save God's people. Now, when we put our faith and trust in him, the old has gone. Our old selves, our old fleshly selves are gone. They are not no longer here. And that God makes us alive in Christ so that we are now new people, a new creation that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is working through and we've been ransomed by Jesus' blood so that we are no longer seen as sinful man in the eyes of God, but we are his saints. And that's beautiful. Okay, let me read Ephesians 2 because these words are awesome. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. 
but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works, it's not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Oh, y'all, you will hear me say a million times, probably on the show, uh, but God, but God. Do you know that reference comes, sorry, y'all, there is an annoying fly that I think is attracted to my lights or something, so I apologize. There's a fly flying around my head. Y'all, but so here are the facts from Ephesians 2. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, like totally dead, dead. You know, you can't wake up a dead person, right? And if you're dead, you have no ability to wake up yourself, right? If you're dead, you're dead. Y'all, we are dead in our trespasses. We have no ability to save ourselves, no ability to make ourselves right with God. And then as a result of our sin, we are by nature children under wrath. That means God abhors sin. And so our sin is detestable to him. And that's why through the Psalms, it says that God cannot reside with sinful man. And so we have a problem there, right? We want to be made right with God. We want to spend eternity with our creator, uh, but we can't do anything because we are dead in our trespasses and sins. But then verse four says, this is Ephesians two, verse four, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us made us alive. God makes us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. So y'all, it's very clear. We don't do this by any strength or might or goodness of our own. We can't. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, he makes us alive. Praise God. Can I just praise God for a minute? Because I'm so thankful for that, that we literally have no way to save ourselves, but he saves us. He loves us enough to save us and to make us right with himself. I love these verses in Ephesians 2. We'll continue in verse 8. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. So even the very measure of faith that we have to put faith in God, guess where that comes from? the Lord. He gives to each one of us a measure of faith, the very thing we need for salvation. And then it says, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no man can boast, so that no one can boast. Oh, y'all, I love that because, again, it's a great leveler. No one is any better than anyone else. We are all equally dead in our trespasses, but God by his great, his rich mercy toward us makes us alive in Christ. And it's a gift. The faith we need is a gift. Jesus was a gift. Everything we need for salvation and to be justified or made right with God is all given to us from God. 
And then we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. And so this is why gospel clarity matters. When you know this truth, that literally you've done nothing to earn your salvation, then it's freeing because you can do nothing to lose your salvation. It's not a matter of, like for me personally, for Christy Young, it's not a matter of me being good enough, me being a good enough mom, a kind enough parent, a uh, sweet enough, serving enough wife. A, it's not a matter of me reading my Bible five times a day to get to God, to make myself right with God. It's not a matter of me going to church every Sunday uh, and Wednesday and any other time that the church doors might be open. It's not, they're not rigid rules. There's, it's not legalism. There's no legalistic rules that we have to follow to be made right with, with our Heavenly Father. He has literally done everything for us to make us right with Him because He loves us. And then this is why gospel clarity matters. That causes you to live differently. Period. When you contemplate what God has done for you, and you recognize that you are a wretch before him. You have no ability to save yourself. You have nothing good even to offer. Then, But then you see what he's done for you. How, much, how out of his rich love for you, he saved you. He cares for you. He still even causes the sun to shine upon us. The rains to water our lands. To He gives us air in our lungs, breath in our lungs. He gives a heart that beats when really we're deserving of wrath. Oh, you guys, it makes you want to, it causes you to overflow with joy and grateful, a grateful heart so that then you, you have a desire to live differently, to pour into your people well, to care for your kids differently, to extend grace to them, grace upon grace upon grace as we discipline and train, to love your husbands well, and to understand that they're sinful just like you undeserving just like you and yes do they mess up yes just like you and they need grace just like you need grace they need grace and then I tell my kids all the time you know like in this one moment you're so frustrated but in the very like with your brother or sister but in the very next moment you're going to need grace from them because you're going to mess up and so I just feel like we need to live knowing that we are imperfect humans who need grace readily consistently all the time And so we need to be people that would give that kind of grace because, again, we are called to love our neighbor as ourselves. And if we want grace and we're grateful for grace, then we should readily extend grace. And that shows an onlooking world. I mean, that looks astonishing to an onlooking world. No one lives sacrificially nowadays. No one or ever I mean, unless they're in Jesus, no one lives, no one likes to sacrifice. No one lives to serve others. No one aims to be kind when the milk has spilled for the fifth time that morning and the cereal is all over the floor and the, no, and kids are blowing up things, writing on walls with permanent marker, writing on your couch. I don't know. Thank goodness for magic erasers. (laughs) But y'all, I'm just saying, we, we need to be people who really remind ourselves of the gospel daily so that we can live it out daily abounding in grace for all of those people that we come in contact with every day. May the Lord magnify himself through us as we aim to give others grace and to, ex- and to serve others and to love other people well. 
I just pray that to an onlooking world, that it would look so odd and so different that it would cause people to ask questions or it would make them desire what we have so that conversations can begin so that more and more people could experience this beautiful gift from Christ. Thank you.